Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. My name is Scott Haskin and I am your host on the Haskin Cast Podcast. Well, that only makes sense, doesn't it? So I appreciate you guys hanging in there with me last week while I was hoping uh, to bring you a very special show that I've been working on for a little bit, but I haven't really had time to uh, dig into it and do it as properly as I would like. So I'm going to push that show off until it's ready to go. I don't want to bring you anything that I think is less quality than it should be. And this one is a little bit of work on my end. Uh, I've been working on some projects of my own that have uh, really forced me to change my schedule around a bit, making uh, scheduling interviews right now very, very difficult. But hopefully I will have some for you uh, reasonably soon down the road. But to keep the show going and to do things that I think are interesting and to bring you stuff that you may not be thinking about or have thought about in a long time, I am going to be doing some more uh, reviews as we go forward. And I should be able to deliver at least, you know, a review to you guys every week of, uh, of an album or collection of songs that I find interesting that I think that you may enjoy. Hopefully you will, or at least maybe, you know, give you something to think about. So uh, I got hired to do a, a long-term project that uh, is going to be taking a bunch of my time, and I'm very excited about it. Can't really talk about it. It's for a private party, but, uh, but I'm very excited about doing it, but it is going to be very time-consuming. Uh, on top of the four episodes I do uh, per week, every week of Uriah Heap, the Magician's Podcast, in order to stay on schedule to, uh, to be able to catch up with where they are currently by this time next year, which they won't be currently anymore, but I'll be caught up with everything they've done up to this point by March of next year so that uh, then I can do all the new stuff and a lot of bonus tracks that I have unearthed from the band that were uh, either never released or uh, released on uh, very rare or obscure platforms. So uh, really a lot of fun. And the feedback I've been getting on that show has been absolutely incredible. Uh, really, really enjoy doing that one. Uh, love working with Mick Box on that. Such a pleasure, such a generous and, and kind man. Uh, you know, it's funny. We, uh, we have these sort of stigmas of rock musicians because of the way that rock music is portrayed, right? So, you know, you're supposed to be mean and angry and grr and leather clad and, you know, all this stuff. And uh, when you meet most of them, though, they're not that at all. It's this ridiculous image that, that we have of rock music. And, uh, you know, when you peel back the onion, even just one layer, you're like, you know what? These guys are just absolutely nice. Like everybody, uh, well, almost everybody that I've met in the business has been absolutely just a phenomenal person to talk to. I've met a few of the members of Deep Purple. I've met, you know, uh, different people along the way met a couple of members of Uriah Heap so far. And everybody has just been just wonderful and kind and considerate and thoughtful. And you're like, you know, this actually makes me much happier than thinking that these guys are like, oh, screw you and screw my fans and screw this and screw that. We got to be destructive and we got to be angry and we got to be drinking beer. And, you know, all these things that uh, that we had as an image of what a, a rock star is supposed to be. And I love that that's not what it really is at all. Uh, I, I love that these people are they're, they're, I You know, honestly, I have to say, I could say relatable. I could say people that you'd want to be friends with. But I think it goes even further than that. And maybe it's because of that stigma. But in any case, they've all just been wonderful, generous people. And uh, I've enjoyed working with uh, Uriah Heap on the podcast. I've enjoyed all the other people that I've met and uh, have interviewed. It's just been such a blast. Uh, but unfortunately, my schedule is a little tight right now between those two things. And then uh, I'm finally working on 
my novel, editing it. Um, there's there's been a lot of things that have held it up. Nothing that I'm upset about. Uh, you know, life takes twists and turns for different people. I'm very happy that my editor, uh, that we had to part ways on the project only because they have gotten like a dream project to work on. And so I can't be upset that I I had to say, you know what, you're going to be too tied up with that to to work on the book. Go focus on that. That's where your passion is. That's what you should be doing. And I'm so excited for them. I, I can't even tell you uh, how great uh, and, and they're flourishing at it, too. So uh, even better. You know, it's not like uh, like I said, OK, let's stop working together because you've got this great deal. And then it turned out to be a horrible thing. Like so far, it's been an absolute wonderful thing from what I've heard. So uh, very, very excited about that. But I'm also very excited to get the book done. So it's going to be a trilogy. And the first book is edited. I'm into the second book now. Uh, it's going to slow down a bit with this other project that I have, but I'm hoping that, um, you know, maybe mid-April, I'll be sending it out to the beta readers to uh, to get their thoughts, and then I'll make final changes and then start releasing the first book. And hopefully that will be by, I want to say June. I'm hoping for June. I'm hoping for sometime in June, but we'll see. This project has also been a long time in coming. Uh, I started the uh, the first version around the mid uh, 2000s, not like 2050, but like 2004, 2005, somewhere in there. Uh, it was just going to be a, a short script, like 12 pages. I was going to shoot it over a weekend, pay everybody a couple hundred bucks out of my pocket to do it, just have a fun project. And then uh, it just escalated from there into a feature film. I wrote so many different versions of it as a feature film. And after doing some shopping and uh, having people do the, oh, you know, we really like this. Uh, we, we're just not ready to shoot it right now, but we'll we'll look at this later. We'll revisit it. And, you know, it just ends up in a drawer or recycle bin or something somewhere. So I just got tired of it. I'm like, you know what? I have this thing in my life where it seems like when I reach out and try to get things done, uh, most of the time it just ends up delaying things. If I would just do it myself it would get done uh, in the, the proper way and I wouldn't have to compromise the project. So I took it back. I decided to convert it to a novel. In the middle of that, um, I shot on the uh, set of Jason Bourne for one day, just one day while they were here in Vegas, which uh, they were here for quite a while, but I was only there for one day. And uh, it certainly had its input on the uh, on the story because that was when I was in the middle of converting it. In fact, I brought a notebook with me to work on the conversion when we had breaks and in between scenes and stuff. So um, it uh, it just kind of developed from there. It escalated a little bit in direction because of that experience, which I'm really grateful for for so many reasons. And so I'm uh, I'm I'm happy to be getting that out finally into the world. But I still have a little ways to go to get that done. Uh, but it's coming along swimmingly. I'm very happy with it, and uh, and I learned a lot from the editor that I did work with. Uh, I'm very thankful for them and and all of their input. Uh, it will greatly help me as I continue my my process through through the book to get it released. So what am I talking about today? I did uh, a podcast for Uriah Heap on the song Circus with my friend Terry T Bone Mathley from T Bone's Prime Cuts on the other side. A fantastic podcast and interview show. Uh, he is uh, he's back. It's a new show and he is just killing it. But we were talking about, um, you know, bands that that we that we like, that we just fall in love with the song. And we're like, wow, these guys are great. And then for whatever reason, we just never connect with them. We never dig into their stuff. It's just like, wow, this song is just so amazing. 
and I don't know, maybe there's some some subconscious thing. Like if I if if they pursue it, maybe it'll ruin it. Maybe this will be the only thing I like, and I'll be disappointed. I don't know what the subconscious factors are, but the fact is, this band that I'm talking about today, Zebra. Um, there are two songs that I'm familiar with on this nine song album. Uh, I don't remember what order they came out in. I want to say the lead track, Tell Me What You Want. I want to say that was the first one, but I, I'm not positive on that. Uh, but I know that song very well. I like it. But the song that I just absolutely adore, it's it's would be on my like all time I love this song list, would be a song called Who's Behind the Door, which was released as a video on MTV. Um, I don't remember the video. I did not go watch it before the the show. I kind of wanted to distance myself from the song and kind of refresh myself uh, when I reviewed it here. But uh, it's it's just one of those songs that I've just loved. I've listened to it so many times in my life. And then I'm like, I should check out more of these guys because if I like these two songs and I've only heard two songs, I'm probably going to like some other stuff that they've done. And for some reason over the last, oh God, 40, 39 years, I just never did. I don't know why. I've even sought out live versions of these two songs and I've liked them and I don't normally like a lot of live stuff. But still, here I go. I'm like, don't check this band out for whatever reason. I just never did. So Terry and I were talking about this on the show and I said, you know what? This has been incredibly unfair to them and to me. I think I'm cheating myself out of some good music. So I went to look for the CD. I said, I'm going to give these guys a chance. They deserve it. I have no reason not to do it for them, for me. And so uh, I went in search of the album that had these two songs on it. Turns out it was their debut album, self-titled Zebra. And uh, it was it was very hard to find. Um, it's out of print, very expensive now. I did locate a, a pretty decent copy here on eBay that I was happy to get on CD. It looks, though, like it was the original CD pressing. So the uh, the transfer is a little bit flatter than I would have liked. It wasn't. It doesn't sound like it was remastered for CD. It sounds like it was just... Uh, burnt to CD from uh, from a, a clean copy of the the original tapes or the album with no you know clicks or pops or anything in it or those were filtered out. Uh, you know when I had Randy Rohrbach on the show, we talked about that the first time he was on in the very beginning of the podcast about how the transfers were done and stuff in those days because he was a part of that. He was told, "Here's what you're going to do," and he did it. And uh, then you know they're like, "Oh, you know we should have probably done it this way," and so he's like, "Okay, well then let's do it that way." And then CDs got much better. Uh, except for the printing side of things. The booklets are still damn impossible to read after the 45 minutes it takes you to get the damn thing open. Well, I sound like an old man there, don't I? Well, I'm getting there. I'm almost 50. Now, uh, this was originally issued in uh, 1983 under uh, Atlantic Recording Corporation for the United States. And then uh, obviously for overseas, it was WEA International, uh, as it says, for the world outside of the United States. So there's the United States and then there's the rest of the world when it comes to record companies. Um, but I had, yeah, I remember Atlantic. It was like a, a orangish red label, I think, on the albums with uh, like a, a little bit of red and a little bit of green. Um, it's been a long time, but I, I think um, I think my Abacab album by Genesis was on Atlantic, if I remember right. And then, of course, all those record companies had like these really cool compilation albums where they would take a, a song from different artists and put it on one album. And, you know, most of them would be songs that you would know. And then there's a couple that you didn't to get you to check out other bands. But they were always great. You know, they were a few bucks and they were gems because you got to hear a few of the hits and you got to hear a couple of classics and you got to hear some new things, too. So uh, those were great deals. I kind of miss that. We don't really have that in the world anymore. Now it's just you buy the song you want. Uh, if you really like the band, you'll buy the album and maybe you'll like the rest of it. It's it's so different nowadays than it was 40 years ago. 
Again, I sound very old. Uh, so Zebra, from what I can tell at this point in time anyway, was comprised of three members. You have Randy Jackson, not the Randy Jackson from, uh, I was going to say, America Online. <laughs> We've got a theme going tonight, don't we? Uh, 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 not America's got American Idol. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Not that Randy Jackson, a different Randy Jackson. This one is on lead vocals, all guitars, piano, mellotron, synthesizers, and percussion. That, that's a lot of work, man. So, you know, obviously when it comes to live, you would think that, well, we're going to have to scale that back or we're going to have to add other people for the tour. Or, you know what a lot of bands did in the 80s, and I can't remember what these guys did, but uh, a lot of bands just programmed the stuff and played along with it. So anything that they couldn't play live, they replicated into uh, programming and that would just play while they played along to that uh, part of the song. So you had to stay on tempo. You had to stay on time. If you got off of that, it wasn't like the band could all adjust. That was the foundation of the live performances. And if you've ever seen any of these bands that are doing an 80s tour, like we have Lost 80s Live here in Vegas, which is the final show every year of the tour. It's done in September, October, somewhere in there. And um, it's uh, it's like all the bands show up for that one because it's the final one, whereas the shows that go around the country are uh, smaller versions of that. It's less bands. They probably play a few more songs. But it's it's a crazy thing to watch two people up there and have it be a full band. And then the next band comes up and they actually are a full band and sound like a full band. And then the next band is like three people and it sounds like a full band. It's just such a weird thing to me how music was performed live in the 80s. I always just assumed that they brought out people to play those parts, but they didn't. So it's, it had to be really weird going to concerts and seeing just two people on stage being a whole band. Where's the energy? How do you get into that? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a different world. But anyway, so that's what old Randy is responsible for, all of that. And then, of course, you know, we can't forget Felix Hanneman. He is on bass, guitar, keyboard, strings, synthesizers, and vocals. And then uh, we have Guy Gelso, who is on drums, percussion, and vocals. So lots of stuff going on when you've got a three-piece and you, you do music that sounds this rich and full. You got a lot to be responsible for. And you'll hear it uh, as the albums come up. I love the production on this album. I think the sound of it, although it is a very 80s sounding album, uh, I love the sound of it. You know, it's rich and full. I think it's well mixed. Uh, the, the two songs that I know anyway, I, I have made it a point. I have not listened to the other seven songs yet. I wanted to give a very fresh reaction and not have anything that was uh, anything preconceived or uh, or that before I did the show, other than the two songs that I bought the album for in the first place. So my opinion of Zebra is going to unfold right before your ears, as it were. And so of the nine songs, the first one is, is the, you know, the one I know. Again, the one that I think came out first is called Tell Me What You Want. And here is a little snippet of that. I've been wasting my time. Slam 
So this was my gateway into Zebra. And, you know, like I said, it does sound very 80s. You've got some very 80s synthesizers sounding. Um, the acoustic guitars, the production, all of it sounds very 80s. But I just, I love it. It feels really warm and rich in sound, as, as we'll, especially when we get to Who's Behind the Door. You'll, you'll see what I mean. But uh, I like the song. I like the vocals. I like the, the sound. I like the pitch he's singing at. It's, uh, it's very nice. I like that it was doubled. Sounds uh, a little bit thicker and it adds something a little bit interesting to the song, too, because you feel like you're getting something that's a little more uh, a little ethereal, a little out of this world, maybe. But um, definitely something that uh, makes you feel like you're experiencing something that is not the norm. And it's amazing how a simple thing like doubling the vocals, adding a little bit of effect to it uh, can can really just change the perception of the song, of the environment of the song. And uh, it's certainly done very, very well here. And uh, again, we'll see more of that in Who's Behind the Door. I don't know, obviously, how much we'll see of that through the rest of the album. But uh, yeah, it's a good song. It's a it's a good album starter, too, because it kind of uh, warms you up to an experience. It doesn't just start right off. It kind of gives you a, we're going to give you a layer and then a layer and then a layer and kind of like ease you into this album. So I, I really like that. I could definitely see why it was chosen for a single. Um, so that was that one. Here's a song I've never heard in my life. It's called One More Chance. Well, it definitely is a rocker. Um, it starts out, uh, you know, before I started playing the clip, but it starts out with, you know, some uh, some acoustic guitars, very similar to the way the last song started out. And I started to wonder, like, is this the pattern? Is this how they they just do their songs? Well, we'll find out as time goes. But this really kicks in. It's, it's got a great beat to it. It's a real upbeat song and uh, really strong vocals. There's, a, there's a, some great guitar parts in here. Um, a lot of synths, but, you know, everything is so well blended together that as I listen to it, trying to pick out, you know, from a more analytical point, what's going on in the music, there's just some really nicely blended layers between the guitars and synthesizers. Um, the bass is, is heard and felt, which is nice. A lot of times you just kind of feel it, especially in the 80s. They had a habit of either really featuring it or really cutting it down. Um, very strange. But this is actually a very nice blend. Um, it's a good song. It's, it's one I would definitely listen to uh, over for sure. Uh, not a dud by any means. So now I've heard three zebra songs and I like three zebra songs. So already success. So well, that's just how it works here on the Haskin Cast podcast. We uh, we make winners. So, <laughs> so not really. Uh, so the next song is called Slow Down. There's a good chance it might slow down. I guess we'll find out. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not uncommon, especially in the eighties for the second or third song on an album to, uh, to start bringing it down a little bit, maybe get into a little bit of ballad territory. So I'll feel, uh, I, I'm a bit curious as to where this one is going to go, but, uh, so far, yeah. Uh, thumbs up to Zebra.
So here's the challenge for me. I'm listening to this song in uh, March of 2021. This song came out in 1983. So for me to say a song is dated or a cliche or something like that really isn't fair because, you know, we're talking 40 years ago almost. So uh, it, it really wouldn't be fair for me to judge it in today's world based on what was going on then. However, uh, what I can say about it is a couple of things. First of all, that intro was very reminiscent of uh, Out on the Tiles by Led Zeppelin, and uh, which is a, a great song. But uh, the other thing that I noticed about it was it feels very much like a um, a more modern for the time version of a Jerry Lee Lewis song, like uh, Johnny Be Good. Uh, or Great Balls of Fire without the the stops in it. Um, just that dit, 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 dit on the piano, the way that the uh, the verses are delivered, uh, very much that style of music. And it's not a style that I ever really enjoyed that much. So for me, uh, this isn't a song that I probably would listen to very often. If I was just playing the album while I was doing other things and it came on, I would let it play. But it's not a song that I would say, God, I really want to hear that song. You know, I, it, that's something I'm craving. So um, not a bad song. It, it has uh, some really powerful music in it, uh, very passionate vocal. It just isn't a song that, um, you know, really does much for me. And ironically, this song does not slow down, uh, not even at all. It's a very up-tempo rocker. And, um, you know, I'm probably a, a little for, more familiar with Jerry Lee Lewis because my friend Martin, when he lived here in Vegas, he was part of the uh, the uh, quartet that's that uh, he played. Um, he played that character and was very, very good at it, uh, doing songs like Great Balls of Fire, uh, just amazing. And um, uh, it's a shame that that show doesn't exist anymore. He actually left it to go on tour and, uh, in Europe doing the show. And then uh, while he was gone, the show decided that it was in its final run. They were going to close it out. Uh, Million Dollar Quartet was the name of the show. Uh, and I didn't get to see that show exactly, but I did get to see three of them perform as their characters at uh, at another venue. Uh, it was just amazing. You really felt like you were back in that era. So realistic, the portrayals, um, just just amazing. But the thing that you don't get is that you don't get what it was really like to be there when this music was fresh and new and hadn't been you know, overcopied or anything. Um, that's what I really can't imagine. Um, I don't think we've had really an exciting time since this time when Zebra came out in the 80s, where we had the British New Wave invasion. We had still punk was still a thing. We still had some rock and roll, although it, it had taken a bit of a backseat for a, a short time between disco and punk and then this new uh, British New Wave coming out. Um, rock and roll kind of uh, fell back a little bit for a while, I think. And uh, because people wanted to experience new things, all my opinion, but uh, I certainly did. It was a time when I was very young. I was born in 72, so I was 11 when this came out. Uh, MTV was uh, was actually playing music back then. So for those of you that have been born in the last 20 years, music television actually used to play music uh, 24-7 with uh, music news in between. It was literally all about music. And uh, I think they had commercials. I'm pretty sure they had commercials. They had to, right? They had to have sponsors. But apart from that, it was all music. It was interviews with the bands. It was their their videos coming out. It was behind the scenes on their videos. And it was uh, what was happening in the music industry. It was a, the most amazing time in music. The other thing I really liked about this era was that it wasn't as political as a lot of other times in music. I mean, we had a couple of things. We had our We Are the World and, you know, the, the Farm Aid and stuff like that. But for the most part, people 
weren't really writing uh, as much, at least in the mainstream, they weren't really writing as much about politics and as much about what's going on in the world. It was just, you know, I'm going to write a song about this. And it was just fun. And if there was subtext buried in it, maybe I was too young to uh, really see it. That's that's very likely. But it was just a fun time in music. It was experimental. It was sounds you never heard before. It was weird hairstyles. It was killing the ozone layer with Aquanet. It was, you know, studded wrist collars and neck collars and uh, and fishnet everything. It was just a great time to uh, to be alive, especially to be a young person exploring uh, and learning about the world and really uh, becoming someone that that uh, was had a, a vast growing appreciation for music to have it so readily available in a, in a medium that um, had not been deliverable before uh, was just uh, amazing. And so I think back about how that was for me. I try to think back about what it was like when the Beatles came out or when Chuck Berry came out, um, you know, what it was like to be at those venues and, and see those things as they unfolded and watch music change the way it did, watch rock and roll develop from its early stages. Um, would have been incredible. So I feel very fortunate to have grown up in the 80s because I really think that was the last time that we really had anything that was that exciting. I mean, you had the grunge scene in the 90s, but that, for me, it was just a bunch of singers singing songs and just, it was everything they could do to not feel anything. Um, So that wasn't really an era that impressed me much. and, And there hasn't been that much since that I felt is really like new and fresh uh, rock and roll has certainly made its comeback, at least in in my world, where you got bands like Alice Cooper, Deep Purple are, are just topping the charts again with their new albums. And of course, you know, the Uriah Heap is still around. Um, White Snake is still around. So many great bands. But I think rock and roll has definitely made its comeback as, as it needed to. And uh, people were like, hey, you know, I'm going to try this other stuff. But I think we all knew we would end up back with rock and roll anyway. So uh, it was a great time to be in music. So I don't want to bash the song. I don't want to really say anything bad about it. I can say that that for me, it's a little cliche. Some of the lyrics are like, yeah, you know, come on. It's like you just rhymed a couple of things and you made it fitter. Yeah, that's a a phrase I heard in a bunch of songs in the 70s. So it's, it's just not a song that really hits home with me. But I will say... It is a very passionate performance. The vocals are uh, are really excited, and I like that. Um, I like the the feel of the song. Um, it's it's definitely something that I wouldn't have expected to be on this album. So that's a nice surprise. But uh, anyway, that is uh, that is slow down. And now the next song on the, the next song on the album number four is called "As I Said Before." Well, first off, uh, what an energetic song. I really like the beat to this one. It's it's really interesting. It's something that's uh, different from what you normally hear. Um, the drums are very energetic on this song. There's a lot of great fills in there, a lot of uh, good progressions from one part to another. Uh, transitions, I guess I should say. Um, but it's, it's really cool. The whole song moves. Um, it's got probably one of the weirdest solo sections I've ever heard in a song. 
Um, I'm not really sure what to make of it. I don't know whether I like it or don't like it. It's uh, it's so different that I can't really define it. It just strikes me as odd, um, but not unpleasant, but something that kind of made me stop and in, instead of really just enjoying it for the first time, just trying to analyze what the hell was going on. Um, it's interesting nonetheless. And, and, uh, you know, if you get the chance, check it out because it's not, it's not like something that you would have heard before. Um, the, uh, the ending has got a nice surprise to it. I would not have expected hence why it's a surprise, but it's, uh, it's pretty cool. I have to say. And then the way that the song, uh, finally ends it, uh, it goes out, you know, this is where it gets a little bit tough because when you rip songs from a CD, uh, to, to, you know, to make them playable for the show, you now have everything is designed into a cut track. So if I were to just put the CD player in and play it and transition naturally from one song into another, it probably wouldn't stop. So it sounds like the end of this is actually the beginning of who's behind the door. Whether the songs relate themselves, I don't know, but it sounds like musically they're actually connected. And, um, because that's that's the next song up is Who's Behind the Door, which is, as I've said before, a, a huge favorite of mine. Um, but this is a good song. This is one I would listen to again. Uh, I, uh, well, I will listen to again. I want to I wanna understand what's going on behind the, the solo. The whole thing is just so weird, but it's, it's cool. I like it when it's different. You know, uh, I don't know if they would be considered a prog band or not, but they certainly have a lot of progressive moments. And just from what I've heard so far, I would I would think that they would fit into that category, although I don't really know if we had that category at the time in 83 or not. But they certainly fit in very colorful. They're kind of a little bit, um, you know, a little bit Emerson, Lake and Palmer, a little bit Rush, a little bit 80s style. Um, the vocals are definitely very 80s. There's some uh, cool delays and effects on on the song that I liked on the vocals. But uh, overall, yeah, I would say uh, I would say a thumbs up on this one for sure. Uh, as I as I teased, the next song up is Who's Behind the Door? And I'm going to play through um, through a couple of different parts so that you can kind of give a gist. But I'll leave a little bit of a gap so you know where it, it, uh, it transitions and it doesn't just kind of throw you off. Now, I cut out some of the opening, uh, the transition coming in from the previous song, and then there's this uh, long acoustic part, which is very enjoyable. 
Uh, but just for the purposes of what I wanted to show you in the song, um, cut that down a little bit. So that's up through the first chorus. Um, just really nice. I love the vocals. I love the sound of it. I love the uh, the the full richness of of the overall sound of the song. Uh, the drums sound fantastic. It's like they they just found a, a different mix for it a little bit from what I've heard on the other songs. Um, the the kick drum especially just sounds a little bit more powerful. But it's just such a beautiful song. I love the way the vocals are. I love the keyboards. I love the way that the bass and the extra keyboard or the extra synth comes in. Just kind of a little off time, you know, you get used to it and you don't realize it's off time, but it just kind of, you know, it it's not where you would expect it would be, which is really, really nice. I like that. So uh, I'm going to play just a little bit of the uh, the ending for you, but it's such a great song. I would highly recommend checking it out. Uh, you may want to get it for, for yourself and add it to your collection, if not this whole album by the time we're done. So the whole song goes on uh, a little more than a minute beyond this, uh, where I faded out. But uh, it's just such a, a rich and powerful song. The vocals are so, so strong. And I love the ranges that they're hitting. It just sounds so good against the music. Um, just, a, just a wonderful song. And I have so many memories, so many visuals that I get with the song. And I won't share them with you. But I will say that for me, um, it's a summer song. I, you know, I, I heard it when we were growing up in Michigan. And um, I just remember like riding my bike by certain areas. And when I hear the song, those memories come back to me. I won't go into detail on them, but um, definitely a song that reminds me of uh, summer and, and spring um, in Michigan. But it's, it's a great song. I highly recommend going and checking out the full version. It's, um, it's one that for me is a, it's just a go-to. Like anytime that it comes on, I'm like, yeah, let's listen to some Who's Behind the Door. Great song. So uh, that being said, the next song up on the album is called When You Get There, and it goes a little something like this. This is a really interesting song. It has a, a, a really crazy mood in the beginning. It's uh, it's almost like uh, like they're going to tell you a horror story. It just has that feel to it, that vibe. But then, you know, when you get to the chorus, it goes up and register in the vocals again. And, and it's kind of more of a straightforward rock song. It's a really interesting uh, song. I really like it. 
And then, uh, you know, what you don't hear in the uh, sample that I've played for you is the uh, another crazy guitar solo. Um, the guitars for this band are a little flashy for me on a couple of these songs. I don't really like uh, flashy guitar solos. I like solos that make me feel something. But in this kind of music, a lot of time, it's just about you know, uh, the inflections and, and, you know, sometimes the speed and sometimes just the direction it goes in. But uh, for me, I like a, a little more of a, a solo that makes me feel something. Uh, fast playing a lot of times doesn't get me there unless it's a harder rock song, you know, something that has just like a good driving beat to it. Um, and this one doesn't. This is like a, a you know, a mid-tempo rock song. So uh, the solo is a little over the top for me on it, but it sounds good. I will say that I love the sound that they're getting. Uh, there's, you know, uh, it, it almost feels like, like this band said, okay, let's write songs the way that people write songs today. And then let's look at all those parts and twist them so that they're different and unique. And I really like that. You know, you, you can bake a cake to the recipe, but how you decorate it is all what makes it yours, you know, or maybe a flavoring that you put in there. And it seems like these guys are really doing it. Don't know why I just made a baking reference, but that's what just happened. Uh, but good song. I would listen to it again. Uh, I, I certainly would. So, you know, this uh, this is shaping up to be a really good album. I, I had hoped it would. And I want to say I'm pleasantly surprised and in a way I am. But also I kind of expected that I would like the majority of this album. So uh, but again, great mix on this song, too. It sounds really good. Um, I love the bass on this song where it's uh, where they chose to use it for emphasis. Um, really unique. And uh, yeah, good song. So next up, we have one called Take Your Fingers From My Hair. Um, okay. Well, you wouldn't know it from here, but it seems like they have kind of a pattern of the way that they write some of their songs and that, you know, it starts out with, uh, you know, a gentle vocal, some synth pads, some acoustic guitars playing and then and the drums come in and they did it again on this one. Um, but surprisingly, it does really pick up and, and becomes quite a rock and roller. The song's uh, a little over seven minutes long, but uh, it's it. I think it could have been trimmed down a little bit because I think there's a lot that um, maybe is repetitive or just long passages. But they do have a, a real interesting bass part in here, which um, which I really like. I think it might have been uh, a synth bass because that would be I would have to think would be very difficult to play um, on an actual bass guitar. But maybe not. You know, uh, they they do have a bass guitarist in the band. So uh, whether they performed it or whether it was done on synth, either way, at the end of the day, it's all about how the sounds the song sounds, and uh, I think it sounds really good. I think it's a good one. I just think it's a little bit long. Um, but great vocal delivery, another one that um, just really feels impassioned to me. I, I like the way that they sing, and uh, and I like the songs. I mean, they're they're nice and rich and full. There's a lot going on to dissect. 
Um, they're well constructed. I just think, uh, you know, it's it's a little bit repetitive. I don't know how long these guys were together, how long these songs were being crafted before this album was put together. But uh, whatever the set of circumstances were, this is what we have. And this is what we can look at and, uh, you know, find what we can enjoy in it and, uh, you know, find what we don't enjoy about it. Uh, but for me, I would say it's another good song. It's another thumbs up. I would listen to this one again. Um maybe not as often as some of the others just because it's so long. But um, yeah, I think it's a good song. So uh, that was uh, track number seven. So track number eight is called Don't uh, uh, Don't Walk Away. And, uh, you know, I feel threatened. Yeah, this is a really cool song. There's some really nice transition in it. Um, a couple of changes that are really unexpected, as I've kind of come to expect from these guys. Um, I really like the drummer, especially on this song. He's uh, he's very creative. He he plays a lot of fills that would be common for this time of in music, but he kind of takes it a step farther and does just a little bit something to make it his own. And I think that's pretty cool. Um, I love the vocals on it. Um, have to make the same comment about the guitar solo. I think it's uh, it's over the top, especially the way that the music changes beneath it. Um, it it's just, you know, for me and my personal taste, it's, it's a little overplayed. But, you know, d- decide for yourself. Check out the song. See what you think. Um, I would listen to it again, for sure. Um, I think it's one that's 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 worthy of that. It it hits a lot of points for me, especially the uh, the unexpected changes. So, you know, I would say uh, out of the eight songs that we've listened to so far, I would listen to seven of them again. So we have one more to go, but I'd say that's a pretty good average for an album that I only know two songs from. And um, yeah, I'm really glad that I'm giving these guys a chance because I think uh, it shows that it was warranted that my instincts were right. I would like these guys. Why I didn't do this 30 years ago. I only have myself to blame. And as we head into the last song, um, well, this is going to be interesting. It is called The La La Song. Okay, we're going to find out what it's all about. And here it is. La 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 Well, it's a very, very interesting song. Um, Much like the others, there are a lot of transitions. There's a couple of uh, ones that are really surprising. Uh, You just don't see it coming at all musically. A couple of different guitar solo sections, but, uh, you know, the first one started out really good. I I was really enjoying it. And then it went into that sort of same uh, feel that we have in the other songs, as did the second solo section as the song is fading out. 
Um, but a couple of really good parts in this song. It's a little bit long. It's about six minutes and 10 seconds. And uh, again, I feel like this song could have been um, cut down a little bit because it just doesn't have enough changes. But there are some really nice effects on the vocals. In fact, one is uh, very similar to one that Uriah Heep has used a couple of times uh, that I really like. And uh, the song that I just reviewed uh, for that show, Return to Fantasy, actually is one of those songs. So how coincidental that I would have picked this album to review this week. Um, and, and a song I've never heard. So there's no way I could have predicted that. So that's, I guess, how magicians do it. In any case, uh, a good album. Yeah, I would I would definitely listen to this again. I'm really glad I purchased it. It was a little pricey because, again, it's out of print and um, there just aren't tons of copies uh, floating around out there. You know, it's it's not like, you know, you say, uh, you know, a band like, um, you know, Rush or, or somebody else uh, that has just had tons and tons of albums out and when you go on eBay, there's, you know, 80 different entries for every album. It's it's not like that. Like these guys, uh, all their stuff is out of print. It's harder to find. They're still around. I think they've just come out with a new album. So I might have to check that out, see where they're at, uh, you know, 38 years later and uh, and and see. But uh, but for now, I'm going to say Zebra by Zebra. I'm going to give it uh, I'm going to give it a thumbs up, man. It's a good album. And I'm really glad I finally took some time to check it out. Terry. T-Bone Mathley, I highly suggest that you do the same. It's it's good stuff, uh, especially if you really like that 80s sound. Um, really good vocals. Uh, I like the way everything was sort of, you know, doubled and tripled, and there's a little bit of harmony here and there, but, uh, and, and the pitches are really interesting too. They're, they're um, a little bit out of the norm, but the whole thing overall does have that very 80s feel. If you picked up any song, you'd, you'd know when it came out, unless it was somebody trying to sound 80s. But, uh, you know, 1983, it was a that era of music was a very special time, whether you were in the uh, the more psychedelic version of uh, of the British New Wave invasion, whether you were more uh, a little bit more straightforward rock and roll. This is kind of a combination. This song is a little more progressive to the La La song. And uh, I would I would have to say they're kind of a progressive rock band. I I would give them that title if I had to. And even though no one's making me, I just did. So there you have it. Um, so that's it for this week, guys. I have a very special review planned for next week. However, the album has to arrive in time. So if it does, I will review that album. If it's not, I will be doing something else. Hopefully I'll be able to pepper some interviews in here. I have a lot of feelers out there. Um, haven't been getting as many responses, which is kind of surprising because, you know, during COVID, it seems like this is a great time while people can't perform, should be out there promoting your stuff, doing what you can, even if it's reviving old stuff. This is the time you know, to be uh, to be promoting and bringing it out. So um, interesting. But in any case, I will be back next week with another show. Thank you guys so much for joining me on another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. It has been a joy to bring you Zebra by Zebra. Cheers. Cheers.